weekends like this and weeks like this where you have to remind yourself to see the sun eventually, you know? Brad, I mean, these weekends of college basketball this time of year, especially, I mean, in these weekdays, now you get these day basketball, these conference tournaments. Like, like the weather is great outside in Chicago this weekend, but I couldn't even imagine going on and doing something. There was too much going on. How 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 could how could you embrace the the sunlight when you could be uh you know watching Loyola Chicago versus Drake, or how how could you do that when you could be uh you know throwing some money over at the Bovada Sportsbook on a uh, Longwood Longwood to cover against Winthrop? I mean what 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 sane person does these things, Brad? And like we I mean where to get started? You know I mean tomorrow we got two conference championships. We could we could have used the conference championship tonight. I know it, it used to be. They did Big South. Right. We lost the then, Big South because the Big South you know, added we more We lost teams. the A-Sun. That's, yeah, that's right. That's right, because right, it, yeah, was, it was Big South. Then it was the Valley. Then it was A-Sun, I think, on Sunday afternoon. But, I mean, we can use one Sunday night. I mean, we got a couple, like, semifinals, like CAA semifinals or quarterfinals, Sunbelt semifinals. Like, we could use a nice conference championship game for, like, 8, eight o'clock. I mean, there's no, there's no NFL NBA doesn't really do Sunday nights. I mean, yeah, I've just... never, I've never understood why there isn't one in that slot. There never really has been. Yeah. I know it's hard to get to it, but it's like, come on, like, can't we get like, you know, let, let's speed up the Sun Belt or something and get the Mac back to Monday night. My favorite, one of my favorite Rothstein bits, Brad, is is Rothstein randomly tweeting about how angry he is that the Mac moved their conference tournament championship game to a Saturday from Monday. So, so they they did that again because of arena availability. Correct. So when they were playing in Albany, and they had played in other places too, but like in general, the Mac tournament had been in Albany, uh, and they would always play first weekend, wrap it up Monday. They, the most lucrative bid for the conference tournament um, towards the end of the Patsos era when Siena wasn't good uh, was from Atlantic City, and this was right after obviously Nico Clareth had beaten Monmouth, uh, and people obviously. had the debate of like, why are you playing? Uh, you know, home court conference tournament for a team that isn't the number one seed. Uh, so the money plus that meant, you know, let's go to Atlantic City. But Atlantic City has like state wrestling championships the first weekend in March. So they go, oh, we'll just we'll just push it back and play our play our conference tournament the second weekend and have our championship game on like ESPNU at you know like 4:30 on Saturday. It's like, well, this might be a poor decision. Yeah, that's so dumb. They they have I, I believe it's the the WAC, the MIAC, the SWAC, and the Metro all have ESPNU championships. Maybe the Big Sky too. Like just let's let's move some of these off off for the first weekend. Let's bounce it out a little bit. Yeah, it it, it needs to happen. I mean, it's uh, I'm a broken record. I mean, I, I certainly agree with uh, Rostin on that one. Is that you know. Yes. Spread them out. Let's no, that that, that is a good bit. That was a good bit. But no, it was a good weekend, Brad. Uh, I know I was I was gambling pretty heavy, heavy with Bravada. Had some good ones, had some bad ones, but uh How about UNLV? I think it was minus three. That that one didn't work out so well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they planned on being there in Albuquerque this weekend. Uh the pit takes another victim. But it was a huge weekend. Obviously a lot to get to from the conference tournament. I think the big story, obviously, was Loyola um, clinching in a double tournament bid. They would have been really right on the bubble had they not. But, Brad, we'll, we'll get to that. I will actually, let's do that and then hit the other two championships and then get to Duke and Carolina. 
Uh, so Loyola beats Drake in a close game, very competitive game, very physical game uh, to win their 25th game of the year, get Drew Valentine's first NCAA tournament berth, a Missouri Valley championship in the last year of the Missouri Valley uh, for the Ramblers. And uh, like I said, Brad, they, they were right on the bubble. Uh, so this was important that they get it done. They were very impressive against Bradley and uh, Northern, Northern Iowa. Drake had better athletes to, to match them. Uh, but but the defensive effort from Loyola too much to to win it to to, to get over the hump and so the Ramblers uh, earned that conference championship. What you, what did you think of the Ramblers this weekend and uh, what are your thoughts on them as a potential NCAA tournament uh, dangerous Cinderella? And their uh, their defense was was really impressive. I mean they were picking yes. off skip passes, they were shutting down driving lanes. They you know with Uguaco who is a, he playing center now? They don't together? do it. You know, they play mostly a true center with Chris Knight. Uh, for most of the year, Jacob Hudson is the number two and then Tom Welch. Um, but in the comp, they've been going away from Hudson lately uh, and been going to that smaller look. And I thought today in particular, when Drake was playing starts as like the, like a pseudo five, basically that Uguak being in the game made a lot more sense because he could switch instead of playing Chris Knight out there where they were hedging and, and, and trapping the ball screens. I, I think, you know, I thought that was a good adjustment by Drew, but Uguak at the five made a huge difference today without question. He, I mean, he was playing when, when Brody was in there for Drake too, though, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. They did it some, but I think the primary purpose was they were having to blitz the ball screens with, um, with Chris Knight cause he can't switch as much. But yeah. So that, I mean, that's, that's a pretty big athlete to have in, in, in your mid-major front court. Norris hit a couple big shots. Williamson was getting to the rim. You know, he, he he had a bloody eyebrow. He was playing through it. They they kept on focusing in on his bloody eyebrow. Uh, I, I I thought Schwieger made made some shots too. And you know, going forward, I'm guessing Loyola is going to be an 11 seed. And I think they he, have a good chance at a 10. Well, the uh, point stands that the six seeds and certainly the seven seeds are not super scary. Yes, you know, 100%. I mean, Loyola probably won't get matched up with like a Michigan State because they played in November in Battle for Atlantis, but that game was won on a buzzer-beating or or game-winning dunk by Marcus Bingham off an alley-oop. So, I mean, they on neutral floor, they already played a super tight game. You know, if I'm Loyola, I'm not scared of Marquette or – Maybe I'm a little scared of Colorado State, but like I'm not scared of USC or any of these other kind of six, seven seed teams. Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I mean, I think they have, you know, I think you're more so looking at can you get a decent three seed to match up with if you match up better against. But look, I mean, they played really, really tight with Michigan State, like you said. I mean, that was a 50-50 game. They played Auburn really well in, in Battle for Atlantis as well, and that was when Auburn was playing really good basketball. So, you know, I, I think. Certainly, they have the potential. Uh, I think the things the things for me that that stand out with them uh, are the fact that Ryan Schwieger played really poorly in the month of February and then started to get it back going uh, this weekend. You know, he was, you know, if you talk to people around that program, if you ask them on January 10th who the best player on the team was in practice, they would have said Ryan Schwieger. Like he was killing dudes, and if you remember the San Francisco game, he dominated 24 points. Like he he is the best kind of pure scorer on the team, 
and then just really regressed in value play. Like couldn't make a shot. He's probably the worst defender that they have other than Hudson. So that also kind of adds to the the issue there. So he was just not very good. Uh, he was healthy. He just was trying to kind of in a funk and they got it, got him out of it the last couple of weeks and uh, into this weekend when he had three double figure scoring games, which was huge. The other thing obviously was Kennedy, you know, because he is so valuable to them. He's not a great shooter by any means, but he's one of the only guys in their backcourt that consistently gets into the lane. I mean, Lucas can get there, but you know, him and Braden Norris are much more, um, you know, they're, they're shooters. They're, they're not necessarily shot creators as much. So, you know, Marquise Kennedy uh, being there really helped them. He's also a really good defender. So those two guys getting back, help them help their defense to get Kennedy back in particular. I thought their effort was better defensively. I think it, it's hard to match the intensity that they had defensively all season long, but I thought in Valley play, there were stretches where it kind of lapsed. Uh, they were really good this weekend defensively and looked like a team that could absolutely, you know, win an NCAA tournament game or two. And that was the cover big. five and a half. Big, <laughs> big, 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 I think Bovada had it at five and a half and they covered at the end. Huge. And then if you're Drake, I mean, you got to be, I, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're crushed obviously, but they uh, r- responded with a few nice punches. One at the end of the first half, one mid, midway through the second, um, just, you know, watching them, it's like they could, they could just use like a spark plug scoring guard guy who could play the one and the two. I don't know what where they could have gotten a player like that. Um, no, but at, after the season, um, I want to do a like a like a lose lose transfer list. Joe Yasufu uh, would definitely be on there. I I think he's definitely on there. I think think you probably have to put Dawson Garcia on there as well. But yeah, we we can come up with a full list in the offseason. But yeah, I, I mean Drake looked. Solid, solid that you know a, a lot on Tucker DeVries' shoulders, you know at, as a freshman. Um, he I, does not look like a freshman physically. No, I mean holy cow. Obviously, his dad's the coach, so I would be stunned if he went to the portal. Um, Unless his dad goes to the portal. Uh, oh, I mean, where is he going? Kansas State. Creighton, so. if McDermott leaves, which is not. Where, where's McDermott should, going? We'll we'll see, Brad. We'll see. Go you know Louisville? No. Maryland? No. There is a job that is not open that someone floated to me that McDermott apparently wants that I can't mention on this podcast. I uh, figured that that, that, that McDermott would would just kind of hang out in Creighton since you would think he he narrowly avoided a career-ending incident. You would think. I, I I will say I was quite skeptical of said rumor, but it was from a well-placed spy. So, you know. Anyway. I, I, I think I think the point. I think the idea that Devries fits more at Kansas State or something would is is true though. I like. So DeVries. would uh, you go Devries over Matt McMahon or Jeff Linder? No. Okay, so. But no, I mean Devries. I mean I also wouldn't take him over McCaslin, who I think is the favorite at Kansas State. Should that job open? But like you know, watch that space, right? Like the, those are the types of jobs that he could lead for. I think he's. I mean, he's done a tremendous job. Twenty wins four years in a row at Drake is really, really hard to do, and he's done it with different guys, right? I mean, last year he brought in Hemphill, who's been tremendous. Uh, you know, Penn was a was a great get that he didn't actually bring in, as I recall. I think that was the former staff. I think that was Medved who brought him in, or my, I, I might be wrong about that. Might have another been wizard, DeVries. Nico um, Medved. But either way, t- whoever the AD at Drake is needs to get hired somewhere because. Hiring Darren DeVries and Nico Medved back to back is some outstanding. 
outstanding work. But anyway, uh, NIT for Drake or 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 too low? I'm thinking for they'll be just short of that. You know, I think it's unfortunate they had so many injuries, right? I mean, Penn was out for a while. If not, I mean, they could have been a top 60 to 70 team. They had a good year. You know, I think they were probably about as good this year as they were last year. It's just the difference was that last year they won a lot of the close games, and this year they didn't. The good old luck factor. Yes. Um, let's move on. We won't spend as much time on the other two conference tournaments that have champions as of recording this right now. Um, quickly on Murray State. But Moorhead State really gave him a, gave him a battle. Uh, Janai Broom is tremendous. I mean, he's one of those guys that if he were to hit the portal, everyone would want. You know, he is six foot ten. He is a really good rim protector. He is great on the block. He's a good rebounder. He's got great you know physicality. Uh, but it just wasn't quite enough uh, to beat a Murray State team that has been really good and answered every challenge. I mean, they've been in a lot of close games. They've won them. They've also blown some teams out. They are going to earn that six seed or seven seed, whatever they wind up getting. Uh, and the bubble certainly took a, a sigh of relief with that game. Absolutely. I mean, are 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 we going to get a bid thief at, at at this point? I mean, the uh, two big opportunities you figured were the Missouri Valley and you know Loyola would have been square on the bubble, but that was a that was an option. Um, and Murray State, who who would have got in cleanly. Um, I don't know if we see a bid thief now. Yeah, there was the Conference USA was one, but North Texas losing to U, uh, to UTEP this past weekend hurts their chances of getting at large. So, yeah, there's a good chance we don't have any bid thieves. And I and I've seen people slot Murray State anywhere between like a six seed and a nine seed. Yeah. I don't know what they would rather want. I mean, I guess. I mean, you want to get as you want to get as. Above the 8-9, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. You want yeah, 7 or 6. It's going to be tough, but... Um, what mean, do you I think of them? I mean, at 30-2, and two, I think you're, you're likely to get a decent seed. This committee will want to reward that. And they didn't play a horrible... They didn't play a horrible schedule. Yeah, their, their only losses are Auburn and Eastern Tennessee State. Um, East, East Tennessee State. But, yeah, I mean, they... They looked very athletic. They looked like they had a ton of pop. I mean, a lot, lot of guys are still there from the John Morant team, right? Well, Tevin Brown is. And he's played Williams, on that team too, right? Like too. He, yeah, they came into the same class. Yeah, so. So if, let's say Murray State is like in a, a six seed, I mean, I think you're – Probably taking them to win round one overall, like the eight over all of the ACC teams in there. Uh, we'll, I mean, if they get Xavier, I mean, everyone's going to take Murray State. Um, Michigan, who would you take between Michigan and Murray State? That would be a cool 6 11 game. Oh, I would probably take Michigan. What's uh, going on with uh, Hunter Dickinson? He didn't play today. What was the. Uh... It was a stomach ailment. I don't know anything beyond that. Ooh. Uh, but no, I think so. So I'll say this on Murray. I think so much gets talked about Juice Hill and Tevin Brown, and those guys are great. You know, Juice Hill is a great story. He's a walk on at Arkansas, goes JUCO, you know, comes away, you know, goes to Murray State and is one of the better you know, mid major point guards. But I think what really makes them go is KJ Williams and like his ability. Like, you don't get those six, eight dudes who can like really, really play. Uh, at that level. I mean, he, he reminds me a lot of Elijah Burns uh, from Sienna, like just like 
six foot eight, like big, really good on the block. He's a little bit more mobile than Elijah was. Elijah had some knee injuries, but like the, the similar ability to just like shoot the three at a really high clip, handle the ball a little bit, play on the block. I mean, he's really, really good. Uh, so I think when you have three elite players like that and good role players and a really good coach who runs really good stuff, I mean, they're, they're going to be tough. You know, I, I, I'd like to see them, you know, that's the one knock, right? Is that they played one team that'd be in that like six eleven range and it was a Mem- Memphis and Memphis was not, you know, like Memphis was not Memphis then. Uh, Cause they had Imani Bates. And, and, and even then, I mean, as I recall, Murray shot the lights out in that game. Let me uh, let me confirm that. But it it is, it is kind of crazy that that we kind of went full circle where you know last year Memphis goes on this big run. It's spurred by the play of DeAndre Williams. He comes back. He's like 25 years old, um, and he's kind of like taking a back seat to Duran and Bates. It seems like, and then they finally. You know, Bates leaves for a back injury or maybe a not back injury. Um, and you slot Williams back in there and everything fits, and they literally ran through the end of the American. I mean, Houston is a huge paper tiger without their two best or their their best player and another double figure scorer. Um, and, and Memphis has the athleticism and the size to match Houston's size advantage that they enjoy enjoy over mu- much of the conference and. That uh, defense is really working overtime. Yeah. Murray, though, Murray shot 14 for 29 from three in that game that those two teams played, including five for six from Juice Hill, uh, who's a 36% three-point shooter. So definitely I bet, I bet shot there. quality said that, that Murray should have lost by, like, 90. <laughs> that, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Nice. I'd be a shot quality hater. Like, oh, oh, you guys made too many shots. It's all luck. You made too many shots. Like, come on. Uh, my last slide. You can't on even make shots now. You can't. You can't win close games. You can't make shots. It's incredible. My last thought on Murray State is that they've made me a lot of money over at uh, Empovada in recent weeks by trailing big in games and me live betting them to win and then winning. So it's been fun. Anyway, I saw that um, they had a bad beat the other day with uh, Southeast Missouri State. Right? They did. They did. Um, don't remind me. See, uh, last conference champion we have really quick before we move on to the some of the action I'm previewing some other conference tournaments. Longwood, first ever NCAA tournament appearance. Griff Aldrich's story is pretty wild. Uh, I think it you'll, you'll it'll get a lot of play, but in the next couple of weeks. But in case you're not familiar, you know he is from the area where Longwood is, which is a place called Farmville, Virginia. Um, he played at Hampton Sydney University. Uh, and then has spent a couple years coaching there with Ryan Odom, I believe. Um, left there and went and moved to Texas and was an AAU coach while being like the CFO of like a oil company. And he's like a, he's like a he's like licensed to practice law, like it's like a whole thing. He's very much like a businessman. Uh, and then left when Ryan Odom got UMBC to become like the director of recruiting operations at, at, at UMBC, you know, like, which is not a high paying job. Like, like yeah, it must've taken a huge pay cut. I would imagine that UMBC's director of recruiting and operations makes $60,000 a year at that. If that no, it might be 40, wage, yeah. 
It might be 40. Uh, he He's there for two years. They win an NCAA tournament game. He leaves and gets the head coaching job at Longwood because he's local, even though he had never even been an assistant coach in Division One college basketball. And now in year four, he's won 26 games and is going to the NCAA tournament at a place that had never made the NCAA tournament before. That's probably in the you know bottom 50 in terms of hardest jobs in college basketball. Got some real names on that team. Like they have some kid, you know, Isaiah Wilkins being the one that really stands out. Run off twice in the ACC. Uh, just, I mean, unbelievable and good for them. They, 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 you know, stared elimination down twice in that conference tournament. Uh, the two free throw misses by NCA and T on Thursday or Friday, excuse me, and then Saturday uh, against UNC or no, USC Upstate, excuse me. Uh, trailing by 16 early on before rallying. So kind of felt like once they got to the championship game, they weren't losing and they dominated a Winthrop team that has owned the conference. And uh, so kudos to Griff Aldrich and the uh, Longwood Lancers who are officially going dancing. What do you think he said in his job interview to get the job? Like he's like the least qualified head coach in the country. Never even been an assistant. I mean, he's like... Just as qualified, he, he he might be less qualified than uh, Chris Mullen was. How did he sell? I mean, it was. I mean, my guess is because he's from around there, he had a vision, right? And I think that's 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 the thing. And I, I think Griff Griff would win other elsewhere, but I think it's so important for athletic directors to like have an understanding. And, 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 and that you know any coach can't win anywhere and if you have the right person who has the plan in place who's really really smart who knows he'll hire good people they have a chance to win he's done that at longwood at a high level so kudos them man it's a cool story so yeah so those are our, our bids so far we got a weird situation going on in the a sun where we got bellerman versus jacksonville and I'm looking at that like Bellarmine isn't isn't eligible. You know, they they just jumped up the D1. So Jacksonville in. I think the A Sun's doing the right thing. But it's like if Jacksonville wins, they're in. If they lose, it's going to the one seed. I think that mm-hmm. I think that makes the most sense. I do agree. Uh, I don't think that they should be having these teams play in the conference tournament, but because they are, you know. It is what it is. I will say this, regardless who wins that game, it's tremendous accomplishment. For for Scott Davenport to win it in year two would be really impressive. Uh, year two in Division One, uh, and the other thing, I mean Jordan Mincy's in year one at Jacksonville U, Florida assistant. Yeah, has done a tremendous, tremendous job. I mean, you know, they're, they're the highest they've been in Ken Palm uh, since 2011. Uh, they've won the most games since. In, in the entire Ken Palm era, they never topped 20 before. Now they're 21. I mean, this is impressive stuff. They've got some, they've got some, some throwback names on this roster too. Uh, Kavion Nolan, Alabama, Bradley? or Alabama then Samford. He's in Alabama. I believe so. He like enrolled and then never played. I think. Kavion Nolan, Alabama. Let me confirm this. Yeah, or I think so. 
Maybe I'm just making shit up. I don't know about that one. Yeah, I definitely just made that up, I think. They had a guy who was transferred from Alabama, like, who never played, but it wasn't KV on Nolan, I don't think. They also have a, another legend in a Osai Osifo. From Florida. Yeah. He must have followed he, his coach, right? He plays like 20 minutes a game. It's just like rebounds. Doesn't do Jordan Davis. Else. Former Dayton legend, right? Is that is that Jordan Davis? Holy shit. Wait, wait hold on. We'll, we'll it is that it. Jordan Davis. You're correct. He's averaging fewer points at Jacksonville than he did at Dayton. Crazy. Anyway, good for good for Jordan Mincy. Uh, and then the other thing is that we've got like you know some some crazy upsets going on in the uh, Sun Belt tournament. Last year, uh, the eight seed won it in Appalachian State. Now the eight seed in Louisiana Lafayette, who has way more talent than an eight seed, uh, is going to the final. They were in my preseason top 100. Louisiana yes. Lafayette. They're very talented. The other thing that's very interesting storyline about that is like a lot of people around the industry were were under the belief that Bob Marlin would be let go following the season. This may throw a wrench in said plans if they win the championship. So worth watching. Just so one thing on Jacksonville too is they also have Rod Brown, former Wichita State and New Mexico Lobo. I'm telling you, nothing but names on this team, nothing but dudes. Um, so so uh, Florida Gulf Coast opened up, yeah. Talking a son. Do they have any names, uh, Mr. Coaching sources, man? I have zero sources for FGCU. Nothing. They expect a lot of high major assistants to want that job, though. Sounds about right. Um, good job. We, very good job. Should we move to, Let's to, hit North to Duke? Carolina. Yeah. Yes. So I, I, I just finished watching. I watched the whole thing. Um, it, it, I mean, it was like back and forth until like the 10-minute mark of the second half. Duke, Duke started to get a little sloppy. You, you, you could kind of feel him let up a little bit. Van Carroll had one where he dribbled out of bounds. They missed a couple threes. Um, and then North, North Carolina was just get, getting to the rim uh, with R.J. Davis. And then Manic hit a few back-breaking threes. And all of a sudden, it went from like a one-position game to like an eight-point game. And they would cut to the, the, the crowd, and uh, Coach K's wife's trying to call timeout from the crowd. I think his daughter's trying to call timeout. They cut to Jay Williams. He's 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 trying to call timeout. That was kind of weird. Um, and, and they were showing all the players, and um, and at the end, everyone was crying, uh, which was kind of funny. But you know, if I were in that same situation, then maybe I'd be sobbing too. Um, it, it is crazy. I mean. It was basically a foregone conclusion that Duke was going to win. Carolina goes like iron five down the stretch. No, no subs. I'm not sure what happened to Kerwin Walton. He he didn't seem to play. Uh, Puff Johnson got a few minutes in the first half. Same with McCoy, and I think Styles got a cameo. But they were they were rolling with those five starters, um, and it was working out. Caleb Love had another one of his like inefficient but timely games uh, that. That helped them escape disaster against Syracuse earlier in the week. And now now Duke, I mean, despite all their talent, I think they're probably still a two seed. Because, um, like, all the I mean, two seeds. There's a good chance they'll fall to the three. I mean, but Wisconsin lost to Nebraska, so they're going to fall. Texas Tech lost to Oklahoma State. So they, I mean, maybe those teams will fall past Texas Tech, but I don't know about that. Um, Purdue won, right? So maybe Purdue moves back up. I don't know. 
Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, Cra- I mean, crazy to even think that well, <laughs> they lost in Coach K's final game. Well, the thing was, was like I kept like thinking about it during the week. I was like, you know, like what 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 happens if they lose this game? Like North Carolina is talented enough. And there's been enough like weird stuff that's happened in this rivalry. It's like you you feel you feel like it could happen, and you're like, no, 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 stop. North Carolina's not good. They can't guard. You know, yada yada this, and I was just like, you can't. I can't justify it. And man, I mean, like, I, I will say the biggest thing for me in that game was the fact that Baycott was able to stay on the floor. I mean, if you that game in the the meeting in Chapel Hill had many issues, but one of those issues was undoubtedly the fact that Armando Baycott picked up two thousand like three minutes guarding Paolo Bencaro, and that just like ended the game. I mean, like the game was literally over by the point that he went out with two fouls three minutes in. Um and Mondo played 30 minutes in this game. The only really stretch where I felt like Duke was gonna win that game, like would fully believe, like watching the st- the way the game was playing, where Duke was gonna pull away, was that stretch early in the first half. Not or, or midway through the first half, excuse me, when Baycott picked up a second foul and immediately Duke went on a run. And, and Carolina drew closer at the half, which I thought was huge. Um, but I think I think Carolina was down like eight or nine at like the U four of the first half, and I was like, okay, like here comes Duke. You know, they're they're gonna win this game. Um, but I mean, credit to Carolina. I mean, th- they're so explosive offensively, right? I mean, Love and Davis are tough covers. You can't. It's hard to keep them out of the lane. Love it. You know, you said he he's a little wild, which is absolutely true. But you know, he took care of the ball. He he had five assists and one turnover. Uh, and he got to the free throw line, which is big. Obviously, part of that was a little late, was later in the game, but you know they did a really good job. And you know Davis was great, Manikin shots, Leaky's a glue guy, Baycott's dominant. Like, like I, I just think like I think you saw in that ball game what North Carolina can be. But even in that game, I didn't feel like they defended that well. You know. Where, like, oh. like, I was more surprised that Duke couldn't get stops because I, I think of Duke as a really talented defensive team. Because they're huge and they're very right. athletic. And at times they've been really good defensively. Like when they've wanted to be, they have. But, I mean, man, how stunning. I mean, from a pure bracketology standpoint, I'm very grateful for this. Because I was really not looking forward to, like, swallowing my, you know, swallowing my pride and putting Carolina in, even though my heart didn't believe it because everyone else was doing it just because I wanted to, you know, just have them in. Now it's just like, all right, no question. They're in. Here's here's my pitch for the first four this year, right? Because I, I I think, you know, kind of like, like what you were alluding to with North Carolina, there are some resumes where they're just like, they're too weird. There's like one outlier that's just kind of, too strange that makes the comparison to other teams so difficult. So I think the first four this year, right, it should be Rutgers, you know, the team that has the horrible metrics, right, where it's like they're 20 spots lower, 15 spots lower in net and than, than all the other at-large teams. Okay, so you have Rutgers as one. If, if, if Michigan had lost today, I would say do Michigan because they, they would be the only team that has, like, the crazy – tight win-loss record. Um, the quantity of losses, yeah. Yeah, a, a quantity of loss team. I mean, 
if they lose the first round of the Big Ten tournament, you can throw them in there too, right? And then you can have Wake Forest, right, because they're the team that doesn't have a lot of substance and they only have, I think, one quadrant one win. Um, so you have them. And then lastly, you can do Xavier, the team that just doesn't win games anymore uh, but used to win games, so, so they kind of have to be in. Uh, that could be your first four. And then if for some reason Indiana gets in, you can move Xavier to like an 11 seed and put, put Indiana in that Xavier spot. Because Indiana, I think, is two and eight in their last 10 games or something. Yep. No, I mean, it would be fun. But North Carolina punches the t- ticket. Do you think they have any UCLA in them from last year? Uh, I, I mean, the talent is certainly there. I, I ranked them top 10 in the preseason for a reason, and that's – Partly because I was really into Dawson Garcia, but um, a Davis Love backcourt can can really score. You know, both those guys can get to the rim. They're knocking down shots. I mean, if if Caleb Love can just tighten it up a little bit, um, then you have a great wing defender in Leaky Black as the glue, and then a lot of front court scoring. I mean, few front courts are going to have a more talented scoring duo than Armando Baycott inside and Brady Manic outside. Yeah, I mean, without question. I think the one thing that holds me back, I mean, we'll see him in the conference tournament, right? I mean, they'll have the opportunity. But it'd be one thing if North Carolina was just wrecking these last five games. It's like, okay, they've turned the corner. They should not have gotten by Syracuse on Monday. And they really struggled at home with Louisville the other day, like a week ago. Yeah. It, it It's not as though North Carolina has just kind of figured it out. And, oh, wow, they're really guarding now. Oh, wow, they're doing this really well. Like, sure, they played a good ball game. Like, there's no question. But let's see it consistently. Let's see them guard before everyone kind of says, oh, no, North Carolina's bad. They're going to be really good. You know, pick them to be the one seed, whatever. You know, and, and, and for what it's worth, I mean, Duke has been underwhelming. I mean, at times, right? I mean, they, they win the conference. They've done what they needed to do. But, you know, it, it feels like every loss Duke has had this year, they shouldn't have lost. I mean, Duke and Syracuse have breathe life into all the ACC tournament teams. I mean, Duke, Duke gave them the quality wins, and then Syracuse like had them on the ropes and then blew it at the end. So, you know, because Cuse had, had Miami on the ropes twice. They had UNC on the ropes last Monday, and they just couldn't close the deal. It was funny. In the, in the game on Saturday, Syracuse is kind of melting toward the end. Well, well they're very much melting. And Frank Anselm missed the... Mr. Bo- no, they, they inbounded it to Anselm in the corner, and he, like, turned it over or something. So Be- Beheim took him out and put in John Bola Jock. And in the very next play, it's, it's a free throw, and a Jock missed the box out, and Anthony Walker, or, or either Walker or Jordan Miller. I think it was Jordan Miller. Jordan Miller gets the rebound, puts it back in. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was too, too rash of a decision from uh, Beheim to take out your biggest player, your best rebounder, for that free throw situation because you were mad at what he did uh, on the previous play. Um, it was very classic. And then for, for, for Syracuse, for a team that has so much shooting, you know, normally the teams that have a lot of shooting also have great ball movement. But Syracuse does not have any ball movers. Like Gerard and Beheim, they're, they're like taking 15 dribbles to try to size up their man before just firing a three over the top of them. Anyway. Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, it's definitely helped uh, 
the bubble for the ACC. I mean, I told everyone like not to be so, so down on the ACC's bids because there were going to be a few teams that went, uh, you know, what was it? Yeah, they're going to go 13 and 7 or 14 and 6. And that was going to be enough to go to the NCAA tournament. And you just felt like that was a given. And uh, here we are. Five teams, 13 and 7 or better. All of them, I think, likely to go to the NCAA tournament at this point. You know, I think there's the potential for one of them to fall. But, like, who, who, are, who, who are, I wouldn't bet on any of them individually not making the NCAA tournament. No, I think if, if Syracuse had pulled off the win against Miami, then I think Miami would have been in trouble. Now I guess Wake is the most in trouble, but, I mean, you're not going to put BYU or Indiana or SMU in there over Wake Forest, I don't think so. Right, and well, that's what I that's what I was saying. Someone asked me, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, Wake Forest's resume isn't that good, whatever. I was like, at the end of the day, Wake Forest is 23-8 and eight and played in the ACC. I'll bet money. The 23 and 8 ACC team gets in the NCAA tournament. I can see because did, did, didn't they play a poor non-con schedule? I could see them be, being first four definitely. But. Yes, for sure first four. But I, I don't think they're going to left yet. Yeah, get left out. And I know, that, you know, especially you know, the only way that could happen is that they're, they're the five seed, so they're going to play like I don't know, like. Like Boston College or Louisville or something in the first round of the ACC tournament. I have to look at the bracket. But if they were to lose that game, it I I just can't see it. I mean, there there were a bunch of teams who like literally locked it up this weekend. I mean, Memphis locked it up. You know, they're definitely going to the tournament. UNC locks it up. Miami locks it up with with pulling ahead of Syracuse. Michigan, I think they probably locked it up, but not. I think if not, they lost in the first round, there's a good chance they could get left out. A real chance, at least. Rutgers, because they're net so bad that you can't say that they've locked it up. They've not locked it up. Um, and then Xavier, I, I think they just have to beat Butler on Wednesday, and I think they're good. But none of the teams that were out of the field coming into the weekend did anything positive at all. Right. I mean, if Loyola was out of it, then they got back in. But that didn't, like, cost anyone a bid. No. Rutgers did something positive by beating Penn State. Although their net's going to go down, right? I think. Conceivably by a spot or two. Yeah, I, I guess their net is so bad that beating Penn State by one might not really drag it down. Not hurt them as badly. Yeah. But, like, S... SMU is hanging around. I don't think they're that good. They're not a very fun watch, I don't think. But no. So surviving and dancing. Yeah. So 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 let's just kind of hit quickly on the bubble and then catapult ourselves into some conference tournaments and and, and look ahead things. So at this rate, we said the ACC teams. You know. North Carolina's you know, mortal lock uh, at this point. Duke's obviously mortal lock. I think Wake, Notre Dame, and Miami, you know, their resumes are all kind of eye of the beholder. You, know, you could argue for one or the other, but I think all of them are at least a few spots clear of the bubble right now, right? Or the cut line. Yeah. Um, 
So realistically, right, Memphis is in. Um, realistically, the bids are SMU, VCU, Xavier, Indiana, Rutgers, maybe Michigan, Oklahoma. Uh, they have they have Baylor first round. So yes, but if they win that game, they're in the NCAA tournament. Probably. If they win that game, they're in the NCAA tournament. If they lose that game, they're not going to the NCAA tournament. Pretty simple. But I think going one and one would still put them. I think eighteen and fifteen. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I, I don't think eighteen and fifteen with a win over Baylor would not get them in. I don't think they're going to be Baylor anyway. I guess you never know, but certainly not holding my breath for, for Oklahoma. I, I, I wouldn't either. Um, okay, and then wrapping up the other teams that are sort of bubbly, Wyoming, sort of bubbly, BYU, Florida. Pretty much it. It could get tighter, right, with bid stealers. You know, if Virginia Tech hadn't lost over the weekend, you could have made a case like, oh, Virginia Tech could – make a run to like the semifinal or the final and get in. Don't think that's happening now. Um, VCU they, lost too, yeah. VCU, that was a quad one game though. VCU has a good chance to, I think. Maybe I've just been talking to Lucas Harkins too much. The, the, the resume looks better when it's blind than when you look at the teams that they've beaten though. We, that is we can pull it up, but... It's not it's not a murderer's row. I think that they they have a at Davidson they 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 split and uh, each won the road game, which is always a nice way to increase your equity. Great way to do it as a league. Yes, great way to do it. Uh, VCU, they're 48 in T rank. They lost at home to Wagner. Lost at home to Chattanooga. Those losses aren't aren't terrible. I'm not sure what quadrants they fall in. Um. So, yeah, the, depending on what quadrants, the, I, I mean, those aren't those aren't terrible losses. I, I I guess the Wagner one is the worst, but that's not not crazy. And then they their their wins right at at Vanderbilt, neutral Syracuse, at Dayton, at Davidson. That's it. So. Best win there is at Davidson. They need to make a run at the uh, A-10 tournament. The good thing about it, and it's the same thing I said with the Valley, although I think probably more pronounced because I think the teams are better. There was a, There's an opportunity for Reese to get some stuff done without winning the conference tournament. Do we have a A-10 bracket? Where can I find this? Who, I feel like who we are, have to. Who tweets out conference tournament brackets? Is there a uh, specific person? I feel like Speed Check probably has it somewhere. A10 bracket. I've got I've got a bracket here. Oop, I got it. So 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 VCU would play Richmond or probably URI. Rhode Island. Now, in the net, I'm pretty sure both those I I, I know Richmond top 100. Is URI? I don't think no so. No way. They're they're the eleventh best team in the 
They're 137. They're not that far off. And they were 131 entering yesterday. But anyway, so so theoretically, you could get a quad two over Richmond. You could get... And quad then one over th- Dayton. Yep, quad one over Dayton. And then the championship. And then championship. So you could get two wins that matter. Get to if the you, final. If you fired up the old Bovada Sportsbook, who would you take winning this, this A-10 tournament? This is this is really our, our our last spot for a big thief. I'm not feeling it in any of the power leagues. I'm not feeling it in the Mountain West. Memphis is going to win the American. So even if Memphis, I mean Memphis is not. Houston would beat SMU. So if Memphis, SMU beats Memphis, then Houston will beat SMU. But Houston or SMU beating Memphis a third time might get SMU into the field. So. A-10 champion. Hmm. I think I would say Davidson. Like, the fact that they battled as well as they did against Dayton over the weekend was really impressive. Like, that's at UD. That's a really tough place to play. I think Dayton's really good. Again, I mean, do do you worry in these types of spots, Brad, about the motivation gap. We haven't really seen it so far with Murray State. But do you worry like a desperate Dayton versus like a not quite as desperate Davidson? No, because I think I think Davidson's way more experienced than Dayton. I think they should approach it. I don't I don't see a scenario where Dayton doesn't show up. Davidson doesn't show up? Yeah. I'm not saying they wouldn't show up. I think I'm, I think I I might pick Dayton to win. I so so Foster Lawyer just just came back yesterday, right, for the first time in like a month. He is back. I guess that makes Davidson a little more appealing, but I think I'll go with Dayton. I mean, Dayton's very good. They're 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 playing well. They they have a lot of athleticism. They have good good guard play. Yeah, I mean, I also won't rule out VCU. I mean. They're legit good, and they've played really good basketball and fought back like heck against St. Louis on the road. A good St. Louis team. Also feels like you can't rule out the Bonnies. Are are they all healthy and ready to go? I thought I saw that Oshuni is back. Playing. Oh, he's back, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they were picked number one in the preseason for a reason. I mean, they have three of the best players in the league with Oshuni... That tournament's Holmes just going to rule. It's just going to rule. Yeah. I love Attaway, too. Yeah. So, yeah, and that, that's your... There's your bid thief potential there. Well, how about this Big Big Ten tournament? First round... Or, or sorry, second round. Indiana and Michigan. 8-9 game. Yep. That's the... That's, that's the... Win and you're 100% in if you're Michigan. Lose and you're not 100% in. And then if Indiana loses, they're definitely down. They're out. Definitely and if out. they win, ugh, they, they'd be right on the cut line. Yes, that's correct. 
Illinois clinched the number one seed in the Big Ten tournament uh, while we were podcasting this, Brad. And they were on the ropes, it looked like, early in that, in that game against Iowa. But that, The ending of this game was ridiculous. I had it on while we were podcasting. If I sounded all distracted at points, that's because it was like a preposterous ending. Uh, like Trent Frazier fouled a three-point shooter, and Keegan Murray missed two of the free throws, and Iowa got the ball back and got a three to win it and missed it. And... But this is going to be a really fun tournament. I'll be heading out to Indianapolis for that. It's going to be so much fun. I mean, first off, I think Brad Underwood deserves a tremendous amount of credit. Like, like what they've dealt with. Like first off, to win the league in a vacuum without Io, for, you know, losing Io, winning the league the next year, is an incredibly good, incredible accomplishment. I mean, everyone loses their best player. Yes, but you lost the second best player in college basketball. And they had like another top ten guy in college basketball waiting, waiting in the wings. Are, are you saying it should have been expected that Illinois win the Big Ten this year? Well, I, I had Michigan won Illinois too in, in the preseason. So I it I had Illinois I think eleventh in the preseason. That's basically where they ended up. Three seed. But you cut you, you didn't let me finish the point. Okay, Be, sorry. Because okay. obviously obviously it gets hard enough without IO. But then Curbelo in and out, which was a huge part of the kind of projection with Illinois, was Curbelo, right? And then Coburn was out for five games. I mean, they navigated having basically two guys who could handle the ball for two months. And they still did a tremendous, tremendous job. I think they're certainly worthy of being the number one seed. I, I I picked them to win the Big Ten tournament on my Jerome picks. They're I I think they're by far the scariest team in the conference. Which mm-hmm. by the way, I'm seeing a lot of the Big Ten sucks now. I mean, if, if you're saying the Big Ten sucks, then you're saying every league sucks except for like the SEC and the Big Twelve. Yeah. I'm sure if Kansas or Baylor loses in the conference tournament to any team that's not Texas Tech, I'm sure we'll see a I don't think any Big 12 teams are going to win the championship. The Big 12 is overrated, too. I mean, you can't say every league sucks, you know? <laughs> anyway. Yes. How about, how about Rutgers oh. with a double buy? Four-seed Rutgers. Good for them. So so things to watch there, right? So it's in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Illinois, like we said. Rutgers being on the bubble, Indiana and Michigan being on the bubble. Um, Nebraska being like a random inferno right now. How about this? With Because of Nebraska's three-game winning streak to end the year, Nebraska gets the 13 seed and Minnesota gets the 14 seed. So after all right that, all Ben along. Johnson comes in last place. Ha-ha, <laughs> <laughs> suckers. I love Ben Johnson. He's great. Uh, anyway. Um, what was I going to say? Really lost my train of thought here. This is this is outstanding podcasting right here. Ben, ben Johnson came in last. We got a little redemption, even yeah. though they won four more Big Ten games than we thought. Yes. Um, Iowa, I guess, is the other thing to watch, I think, in the Big Ten tournament. Because I think the way they're playing right now, you could make a case. I know you said Illinois. I think I probably agree with that, that opinion. But you could make a real case that Iowa is the most well-equipped team in the conference to make a run 
in the NCAA tournament. You have a top five player in sport in Keegan Murray. Chris Murray's playing tremendous. Patrick McCaffrey's really good. Tony Perkins is really solid. Uh, Sanford has given them some minutes. Rebracha is not bad. I mean, this is this is a team, man. And you know, like like Fran McCaffrey is a tremendous credit. Tremendous. I mean, they lost two NBA players, including the National Player of the Year, and they are top 15 in Ken Palm right now. At Iowa, not an easy place. Like but, I, I'm so tired of Fran McCaffrey slander. That guy can coach, man. They're just churning out quality dudes from like the the deep end of the bench. You know, like Chris Murray didn't play at all last year. Now he's really good. I mean, Keegan Murray was like a really nice looking prospect coming into the year. It's like, is he more prospect than player? Uh, no, he's one of the best players in the country. He's a monster. I, I was looking back, Brad, at our NCAA uh, preseason bets because we like our prop bets. Oh, I know this one. Don't even say it. Cut. Oh, no, we, I have to. Cut the We're going to have to get to it eventually. So Cut, cut the feed. It's really bad. I mean, we, we have some good ones. We have some good ones in there. We we, we had some good predictions, but uh, we were debating who would be Iowa's leading scorer. And I said Jordan Bohannon, which I thought you know the ball was I, I thought the ball was in his it would be in his hands more than it has been. So I, I feel like not completely shitty about that pick. Brad's selection was Philip Robratza. I thought whatever I I thought we were gonna play through the center again. I thought we were gonna be dumping inside. They kind of were just to Keegan Murray. We also have a UVA most points per game or minutes per game off the bench. Cody Statman versus Igor Milicic. That one turned out exactly like we anticipated that. Like like the the Iowa one it was like okay, we're, they're going to have like three or four guys average like between 10 and 12 points a game. Which one will it be? And it turned out, nope, Keegan Murray's going to average 23 points a game. The Virginia one, we were like, their bench is horrendous. Yes. Who among this group of people is going to play at all? And it turned out that was exactly what happened. So I, I have one more of these bets that I will mention right now before, I, uh, before we move on and get to the rest of these conference tournaments. We had a Louisville Ken Palm over under 30 and a half. And Brad took one to 30. <laughs> I liked this Louisville team. Or, yeah, or how was, about though we did, miss. we did who would be higher in Ken Palm, UConn or Florida State? And I had UConn. That's that right. was the one I was most confident about. Well, you did know that. I'll give you that credit. Anyway, we move on. Yeah, Big Ten tournaments can be fun. I'll be in Indy. Um, give me a it's like a blast. Joe's always is. The fans always come out. I mean, it's gonna be, be tremendous. I mean, all the hotels are booked up. It's you can't you can't find a room in the uh, city of Indianapolis. So looking forward to that. Uh, ACC tournament. We kind of mentioned like a lot of the bubble drama is kind of gone here. Um, there might be some bid stealer power here with Virginia and Virginia Tech, where they played lately, competitive at least. Virginia and then just Duke lost making the case to, for the two seed. Uh, Florida State. Virginia did lose to Florida State, and Virginia Tech lost to Clemson. But both teams have been, like, scrappy. Yeah. There's not, not a ton of talent, not a ton of athleticism. No. no. Kadeen Shedrick, though, is going to be a monster next oh, year. Oh, he's so good. If uh, they so can good, keep man. this group together, the, 
you know, because all all five of those starters can come back, and they have a monster class next year that that could bolster the bench. Maybe you say go out and get one kind of combo forward who can really shoot it. Uh, you know, like a nice three and D guy, and then this Virginia team could be back up at at the top of the league. I mean, can Things anyone like see Kihei Clark not coming back to Virginia? Like, what no, else he, is he gonna do he, with himself? He, he was like made the for the Bohan COVID and the Davison that like he's made for the back. COVID year. Yeah, yeah. Colin Gillespie. Oh yeah. Um, I don't really have a ton about the ACC tournament to be honest. There's like nothing exciting about it. No, I. I mean, there's a lot of junk. They start playing on Tuesday. They got like five rounds. I mean, no what on earth are we doing here? Um, and then like, is a semifinal game on Friday of, you know, Notre Dame versus Miami. Like, is anyone going to watch that over like Villanova, UConn, or Texas Tech, Baylor? No. No. I wouldn't. Maybe some people. Or, or, could we get Duke UNC in the semifinals? What? what I need. I need an ACC bracket now. Uh, well, I have. I have an ACC bracket, so you're in luck, my friend. Right. So, North Carolina is the three seed, and Duke is the one seed, so they can't play until the final. Number four seed is Miami. Number five seed is Wake Forest. Duke will play the winner of an eight-nine game of Florida State and Syracuse, which kind of rocks, actually. And that's a noon game on Thursday. Well, day basketball: Duke versus Florida State. I'll be working. I'm 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 going it's dark soft. because because Providence is playing at noon on Thursday, so I'm shutting off my phone so so I can watch un, unspoiled when I get home. Um, the Big East tournament, plenty to play for. Providence obviously trying to fight for a top four seed. I think they're probably going to get that. Because Houston fell off. Yeah. Got to worry about. I mean, I'm not worried about Texas at all. Texas is a weird. Can can we just do a little aside on Texas? Why don't we just do that when we get to the Big 12 tournament? Okay, like fine, fine. A minute and a half. Yeah. Uh, Big East tournament, though. My my whole interest, concern, whatever is solely on Al Durham. Is is he going to play? Is he going to play all? You know, if if Province makes it to the championship, is he going to play in all three games? Like what? What is happening with Al Durham? That's that's my sole focus here. Um, think think from a non-Providence perspective, the the two teams that could maybe make a, a, a upset-filled run would be DePaul or St. John's. They're they're playing each other on Wednesday. DePaul is finally healthy. They got Freeman Liberty and David Jones in there, uh, two of the best players in the league. They just couldn't couldn't make it happen. Think think they won six conference games, but you know maybe if they were healthy all year they could have you know maybe won eight or nine, maybe make an NIT or something. Um, but but they're pretty scary because they have the size inside with Johnson and, and they and Ungenda. Uh, Jalen Terry's playing better at the point guard spot, but the winner of St. John's DePaul gets a date with Villanova, so that that'll be a real litmus test for a high major bid thief. Yeah, uh, Xavier's, I, Xavier's very fortunate that they play the tiebreaker yeah. is Butler, not DePaul, because, you know, that would have been ugly. Yeah, DePaul could have mucked it up. DePaul beat Marquette. They beat Xavier. They played Xavier tight. They 
Pete St. John's, you know, they've been they've been playing well. Yes, they're a scrappy bunch. Um, kind of feels like, you know, Seton Hall's coming in with momentum. I know they had a manageable schedule down the stretch, but five straight wins, including the Rowan and Creighton. Well, so they're, Seton Hall. They're pushing for seeding. Seton Hall right now might be down their four point guards. Right, because Bryce Aiken's done. Kadari Richmond left the Creighton game with a thumb injury. He is, I think, questionable for the Big East tournament. Um, then th- those are obviously their two main point guards. Then you say Jahari Long out for the season with a leg injury. Ryan Conway's redshirting. They were using Jameer Harris at at point guard, which seemed to be working pretty well, but. Um, Kind of crazy because if this Seton Hall team had Aiken, they're they're like a a four seed in the NCAA tournament. I think I think that they'd be legit, really scary. And just sucks that injuries have kind of taken the wind out of both Creighton and NC Hall. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Creighton without an Empire because they've been really feisty still. Like yeah, they're not that much worse. Like Alexander can do a fine job and and, and they'll just run plays, you know, to get Hawkins and. And AOC looks, and Cockburner's a monster. So they'll still be fine. It's just they need another ball handler. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just more like caps their NCAA tournament ceiling. Like, I don't think they could win a game in the second round. Like, if they're an 8-9 or a 7-10, I don't think you'd be like a 1 or a 2 seed now. No. Um, then obviously Xavier has to be Butler. That's the other thing. If Xavier beats Butler, I think worst case is first four. Can 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 we just call Chris Mack to take over? I mean, come on. What what are we doing here? I mean, every year they just collapse down the stretch. I saw Xavier fans saying that the the the, the issues all all start from when Fremantle came back, and that since Fremantle's been playing the major minutes, Xavier stunk. I mean, maybe there's something to that playing Xavier and Nunji together like the whole game, but the fans hated. Jerome Hunter when he was in, and he was the guy starting when Fremantle was out. So, free Deontay Miles. I mean, he can really defend, and like he was. Brad loves Deontay Miles. He can really move his feet. Uh, I, I also saw Xavier fans saying, you know, for a defensive challenge team now, they they should be playing their best defensive big. Which I mean, Nunji was so good early on that I can see why he got most of the minutes, but. I think Miles could probably help him. I, we I said this before, but I, th- I think the real issue is that Nate Nate Johnson wasn't playing up to his level, um, and then he and then he got hurt. Yeah. So they were a little light on three point shooting. Colby Jones hasn't really taken the jump either, and Paul Scruggs didn't even get a vote for All Big East. That that shows how much he's he's fallen off in his super senior year. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he was that good any year until last year. He he was good last year though. Yes. Playing that point guard spot. Um, All right, let's move on to the Big Twelve. You mentioned you had Texas take. I mean, aren't aren't you just gonna pick whatever twelve seed is playing Texas in the first round? I don't think I am. Texas does doesn't have size. Yeah, but they're athletic as heck and they defend. They yeah they they can really defend, but. I think most of the high major teams that you think of that can really defend, like an LSU or something, 
I mean, they have so much size and length that they're going to overwhelm a major team. Whereas Texas is going Bishop at the five, Allen at the four, and three guards. And, like, this this team has so many scores. They should be so much better offensively or, or at least playing fast. I mean, they play so slow, too. I mean, that's that's a recipe for for disaster uh, when when your offense isn't that good and you're playing slow. It's not like the uh, Virginia teams where you had three NBA players that you're dicing it up. But. It's a weird team because they're, like, clearly a top 25 team. They're, they, they have a ton of talent, but... The roster's just so weird. Yes. I mean, I, I still think they've, like, done it. Like, I think they, like, they're they a good team. Yeah, like, they're, like, they're top 15 in Ken Palm. Like, at some point, yeah, that matters. But it's, like... 32nd in offense in Ken Palm. Right. It's just, like, it's frustrating that they're 10-8. and eight. And they've also been in every game, right? I mean, they lost by 7 to Baylor, 7 in overtime to Kansas, 6 to Texas Tech, you know, 1 to Kansas State. You know, they've... So four to Seton Hall, like they've been in a lot of these games. And you flip, a, you flip like three of those results, and this is like a top ten consensus Texas team. But uh, yeah, they're they're not great by any means. Jace Febris is like alive all of a sudden, like playing minutes, it's been in and out. Uh, yeah, I mean we'll see that. I, I think you make a valid point. I just don't know kind of where to go with it because I think they are tough talent wise to. To, to play against, and I think the beard system is hard to play against. Um, Baylor and Kansas split the conference championship. Good for them. Texas Tech loses two out of three down the stretch when they could have had a share. Uh, kind of losing to Tech. TCU, maybe not surprising, but then losing to Oklahoma State in a game that they really had late was surprising. Um, and again, disappointing for Texas Tech, but still a very good year under Mark Adams. They have a lot to play for seating wise in the NCAA tournament. Um, TCU's in, maybe fighting to wear home colors in the NCAA tournament first round. I think they probably will, but beating Texas would help. Shout Oklahoma. out to their their assistant coach who told you in the preseason that this is a tournament team. Yeah. And I was like, I, no, man, there's no shooting on this team. What are you talking who about? Who cares? All, all that Jamie Nixon toughness. I told. All that toughness. I mean, Emmanuel Miller has not been as good as I expected him to be, like statistically. But Eddie Lampkin has been better to like even it out. They're basically like the team I expected they would be, right? They're just like rebounding the shit out of the ball. Yeah, it's weird because Miller's been worse than expected. Micah Peavy's been worse than expected. But then Damian Baugh and Lampkin have been better. Shahada Wells has been out for the season. He was someone that people were counting on. Um, Farabello and O'Bannon have given them enough, and that's 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 a recipe for a nine seed or or an eight seed, you know. Yeah, no, they're good enough. Is there anything? Uh, is there anything else in this conference? We mentioned Oklahoma having a potential path to the NCAA tournament. I mentioned this in a group text today with people who are asking me about bracket stuff, Oklahoma gets hurt by the fact that Oklahoma state is not playing. That's right. In the conference tournament, because it means Oklahoma doesn't have to play in the first round and play West Virginia. So West Virginia and K-State play in the eight, nine. Oklahoma state, if they were playing, it'd be a seven, 10 and an eight, nine. And Oklahoma would be seven, and they would play 
uh, they would play West Virginia, you know, seven ten, or they'd be the eight, or excuse me, they would be the eight and they'd play Kansas State. There'd be real value in that, I think, Brad, because then you'd get the extra game. You could get to nineteen and fifteen if you're to beat Baylor. Now you're still gonna be eighteen and fifteen, but they need to beat Baylor. They've had a decent year, but nothing. You know, they're just not they're not quite talented enough. No, and then Harkless is out too, so even even less talented on the perimeter. They do have a good class coming in. They have Otega Owe, who's a top 75 recruit, and they have Milos Uzan, who's a little bit higher than that as well. So if Tanner Groves and and the rest of the starters come back, I think that they're only definitely losing Goldwire. Yep. Uh, and, and then Marvin Johnson has been in, in and out there. Uh, and and uh, Chagua, but Gibson, Harkless, Hill, and Groves can all come back if they want. So they can be pretty good next year. Yeah, I mean, they need to go in the portal probably to get one or two guys, but just need enough talent. Um, SEC, top four teams have been awesome in this league. Then there are five teams that are all nine and nine, and then you get the bottom. But LSU uh, and Alabama's 9-9 feel different than South Carolina's 9-9. This is a classic South Carolina 9-9. Frank Martin lives another day. I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't necessarily count on that. Uh, I think, was it Jeff Borzello on Field 68 said that last year they were going to fire him and the state was like, no, we're not paying his buyout. That's Gotta correct. That's correct pretty funny frank could also be a parachute candidate if he does get fired to a place place like umass for instance that'd be cool that'd be a nice hire for you man uh i think you want a grinder guy who works he works he's all about toughness but does he work anymore brad like recruiting in the office i mean they're they're getting they're they're getting all the crystal balls for for gg jackson top 10 player in 2023 I don't sure. think he could take Gigi Jackson to, you know, up up to Amherst. I I doubt that'd that. be a tough sell. I doubt that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's time for, I I don't really have like a lot of thoughts on this conference tournament other than that, like I just hope that like we get chalk, so we get those top four teams in a semifinal and like they face off and we can kind of start out some of these seedings too. Who would Alabama and LSU play in the quarters? Hold on. I have my my trusty bracket sheet here. Uh, so the way the bracket is, is so LSU is the five seed, so they would play Arkansas in the quarters, assuming they beat Ole Miss or Missouri. And Kentucky would play Alabama, assuming Alabama beats Vanderbilt or Jordan. That's a very compelling quarterfinal game. Alabama-Kentucky? Oh, yeah. And now Al- Alabama could certainly lay an egg and lose in the... <sighs> In, in the pre-quarters. Yes. But. And from a bubble standpoint, Florida has to beat Texas A&M. They're the nine seed. They probably almost surely have to beat A&M. And I would think they have to beat Auburn as well. Definitely. They, the they would at least, they'd probably be like first four-ish out if they beat A&M and lose to Auburn before anything else happens. 
But it, with bid seal, I mean, it's tough. I can agree with that. Uh, I mean, can they? They've proven they can beat Auburn, though. That's that's like their only only win of consequence, yes. right? That's the, correct. Uh, and Ohio State neutral. But uh, yes, from Which the has not aged Fort Myers well. tip off. Has not aged overly well. Oh, the um, the Arkansas Tennessee game yesterday was completely unwatchable. Bananas. They were they were like reviewing for like hours. I mean, oh my god, I, I I kept on flipping over. Matt. Matt's becoming an anti-review guy. I'm certainly an anti-review guy. It's not worth it. I think there should um, just be timers on any out of bounds call. There should be a 45 second timer on the review. You get like four looks. If you can't see it differently, move on. Let's go. Alabama LSU was my one, and then as you know, I I, I would flip over periodically to Arkansas Tennessee and just felt like it was always review, always there, just hanging out with the monitors. And you know, on, on the whole Elam ending thing, it's weird because the end of basketball games are the worst part, but the idea that Elam is better because every game has a buzzer beater. Absurd. Is so off. I don't know how many people here watch Survivor, but I know our our, our friend Tristan Freeman does. That's what Survivor did with the final four tiebreaker, right? So when there's four people left on Survivor previously, and the vote is two to two, instead of having people revote because there would be no way to revote with with a so so few people, they would have a make fire, and the first person to make fire moves on to the finals. So they said, well, people like when that happens, and it happened the first 36 seasons, happened like four or five times, right? That's kind of the, the similar r- rate to when there's a buzzer beater in a basketball game. They said, why don't we just have no vote at Final Four and just make every Final Four a fire-making challenge? That diminishes the impact. It was cool when it happened once every nine seasons, but when you when you instigate it and you kind of coerce it to happen every every game, it, it, it loses its luster, right? The buzzer beater is interesting because it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. No, it it's a preposterous. Where, where is this coming from, Brad? Well, like, no, why, no, why are we discussing? The, the, because the, the basketball games are are the worst part of basketball games. I think objectively, a lot of times, if it's a game I'm not super interested in, like if it's not a Providence game or something, I'm I'm switching the station when it's okay. It, we're, we're watching, let's say UConn and DePaul, and UConn's up by four with 45 seconds left, and DePaul fouls. I'm immediately switching the station. Yes. But there is like it's very compelling when there's something that when it matters and the team is cutting into it and they're hitting the threes. You know, like like the Loyola game today. But it's hit a three, timeout. Okay, now we go talk it over. Up, but that was very compelling. I mean it was very compelling out of bounds. Now we have a review. Up now we're gonna call another timeout. Uh, the the Texas Kansas game was, was a little bit like this too. It's 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 crazy. No more reviews. A boss review. Did you see that the uh, Elam ending guy? <laughs> he tweeted at Mike DeCourcy and was like, 
No wonder you don't like the Elam ending because you still have a goatee in 2022. Like, that's, like from from the clouds. That, that, that would be bizarre. Slander. Uh, anyway, shall we get to the Pac-12, the last conference that we need to? We can also mention the Mountain West, which is gonna be a great tournament. But I mean, no, no one cares about the Pac-12 tournament. I mean, USC. There's literally what, nothing here other than like, oh, Oregon, I guess, could win the league and be a bit stealer. No, I th- I think Washington State has a better chance than Oregon. Do you think I, Oregon's I, totally toast? The the only thing in Oregon's favor is that they get. Well, no, because they would get Arizona first. So so yeah. so, but they get to play two games against Oregon State and Colorado, which theoretically will let them like build some momentum, right? It's like if they win those two games. Like I think good luck beating them almost. Didn't, you know, like didn't they lose to both Washington and Washington State this week? That is correct. They're fully auto bid or bust now. Yeah. But and I don't see this auto bid happening. I mean Arizona's so good, they're so big, they got NBA players, they got you know, all, all this, they they're they're running through everything. And yet UCLA and USC who both look more like paper tigers by the day. Not, not a lot of intrigue here, especially when, like, we're saying, like, are you going to watch Kentucky and Alabama, or are you going to watch Arizona and Arizona State? You know? Yes. Arizona State's surging. No, I mean, they're very talented. These uh, transfer-heavy teams, sometimes it's a little, too little too late. This is true. Oh, Mount, Mountain West? Yeah. Going to be a great tournament. Colorado yeah. State is like trending towards a sixth seed. And the San Diego State survived a couple close ones. Wyoming survived a close one over the weekend. And I, I mean, Wyoming all. really needed to survive that game because they had got, it had gotten hairy for them quick. They had lost four of six. Uh, their metrics were were a tumble. Uh, their metrics are already kind of bad because the BPI hates them. Uh, and then everything else. I do think it's really dumb that the team sheet metrics. Like we need to have like one metric. We like we need to like okay we have the net we have Ken Palm and we have one like resume metric like strength of record. Like it's just like yeah we have we have Sagarin. Like there's like 12 people in the world who know what Sagarin is. Well, this this is what I was thinking. Sagarin's sure. website is literally like a white like a white document with like HTML font. It's like why why does this exist? This is this is what I was saying the other day, right? Is you know people were like, oh, there's so many metrics now. You know what 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 about the eye test? Or they're saying, I'm glad the NCAA is moving away from the eye test, but you know they should do more strength of record or, or whatever. But when you have so many metrics. So many things you can choose from. There's so many metrics that it's an eye test, right? Because the committee can use You're any eye one of your like met- the metrics. Yeah. Yeah, you can use any one of like 15 criteria, right? Let's let's try to list off all the criteria an NCAA member can use to justify either a selection or a seating, right? You have net, Kempom, BPI, Sagarin, strength of record, wins above bubble. Quadrant one, quadrant one plus two, quadrant one A, 
Quadrant three losses, quadrant four losses, non-conference strength of schedule, strength of schedule, road record, quadrant one road record. I, I mean, if you can use any one of those a million things, then it's an eye test. Right. So I would I would be in favor of either getting rid of like five different instead of having like five metrics on the sheet, picking one that we like that's a quality metric and one that we like that's a re- results based metric. Um, or doing what like if you see like Lucas Harkins' re- blind resumes, he always just gives you the metric average. No, you can't for... do blind resume because there's no well, context. No, I'm not saying no, no. Hold on. I was triggered. I'm sorry. Do what he does with with the metrics, which is you take he just puts the average of the metrics of the predictive metrics, the average of the okay. results based. Good. So if you if you said okay, look, there are five metrics we like. To like remove outliers, we'll do five predictives and five you know, results based. We'll average them, and you get you know, on your team sheet you have average qualitative, average results based. Boom. I would I would be in favor of that. But instead, of, but 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 it's so dumb where it's like like Ken Palm is so in the discourse and Sagarin's like nothing, but the two are like next to each other on the team sheet. It makes zero sense. I you know lot. A lot of the analytics-driven people are saying, let's do like a real-time bracket where like it's based on all only strength, you know, strength of record or wins above bubble, and and we can see the we can actually see the impact that every game that would have on, on the bracket, as opposed to just every, everyone making their guess the next morning on bracketologies. I can go either way on that, but the one that I really want is a bracket draft. You know, like we should tune in Sunday at six o'clock for for a draft of the higher seeds get to pick their lower seed opponent. That would be fun. I think you, you should only be able to do it. So like the, the NCAA would seed everyone. So like there are four one seeds and then the one seeds can only pick one of the 16 seeds, you know, like Arizona couldn't be like, I think the big schools would never want that because they wouldn't want to be handing. Cause you'd be inherently creating uh like bulletin board material, you know, like if you're, if you're Longwood and you get drafted like first among the 14 seeds or whatever. Yeah. They go, oh shit. You know, like, <laughs> they think we suck. Like, you know, like, I like mean, is there any more bulletin board material where you see like 99.99% of brackets have Arizona beating Longwood. <laughs> hey, Longwood like PPI like says there's a 99%. But like, like a 14. I mean, I, I guess this, this, this would probably be too risky, but like, could could Arizona be like? I think we match up better with Cleveland State, who is supposed to be on the 15 line, so we want to play them instead. That that I don't think would be fair, right? But no. I think with, with you know one seed should be able to choose any 16 seed they want to play. Bracket draft would be fun. I agree with that. Um, what else is there to get to on this podcast, Brad? Coaching moves. There hasn't really been a ton. There was a bunch of like statements of support for NC State and Georgetown and Arizona State. I it would be that... so funny if Patrick Ewing goes 0-20 next year in the Big East. That'd be the I, funniest I, thing I've ever seen. I also would not be stunned if at least one of those three jobs I mentioned winds up opening anyway, whether it be a parachute or a retiring or whatever. I wouldn't be stunned, but we shall see. So okay, mid-majors so... opened recently. Um, where where would Kevin Keats or Bobby Hurley parachute to? Bobby Hurley could parachute to UMass. UMass is throwing our one to one point five and could go up to one point eight for the right candidate. 
Where do they have all this money? I, th- I thought no they cared about UMass basketball. I also, I, I was talking to a current member of the UMass coaching staff and asked him where the money was, and he said he had no idea and he hadn't seen it. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like URI. I think pays David Cox like eight eight hundred thousand. Yeah. But I guess they were willing to go into the one. Or I I don't know how much Dan Hurley made, but they were willing to to go. I think like close to two million or something. If he well, Loyola, Loyola put together two point two for Porter last year, and I'm pretty sure Drew makes like a million or less. Yeah. So so like there are fans who are like, oh no, we can we can throw the money that we would have thrown at Dan Hurley at like a big time candidate, which I, I guess you could in theory, but only if those people have that money. Yeah, like we're, we're willing to give it. You know. Yeah. How are they getting the money? Is and also that means you're only getting the coaches that like those three people like. You know. You can't, like, right. like, you can't, you know, what if those people, like, hate, you know, Mike Hopkins, but Mike Hopkins is the guy. Mike Hopkins is not the guy. But, like, you know, you know like, you know, what what if one, one of the three boosters who has all the money, like, has, like, a longstanding beef with short short dudes so he doesn't take Archie, give it, give it to Archie Miller? You know, like, what like what are we doing here? So, you know, we'll see. Uh, UMass is open. That's not surprising. Uh, there will be names there. Uh, without a doubt, about, um, has been Milwaukee's how about Pat open. Kelsey for UMass. Doing a good job at College Charleston. He, he did yeah. a good job winning. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, one hiring happened. I guess we get update people on that. Ryan Peden, uh, from Ohio State gets the Illinois State job. Um, that had been an interesting one. I, I know a lot of people had floated Steve Prome there. The other name that got significant traction, uh, per sources was Roger Powell. Uh, though it seems that some of that steam was on the Powell side more than the Illinois State side. Um, he is Illinois? Gonzaga assistant. Gonzaga. Uh, instead, they go with Peden. Uh, as I said on Twitter, there had been some questions among people in the candidate pool about resources. Uh, they're paying, you know, I don't, I don't have Peden's contract yet, but... The pay was somewhat underwhelming. The uh, staff resources and the, you know, some of the the extra stuff, you know, things like cost of attendance for players and things like that were lacking. Um, but that's a good job. That's a place you can win. Uh, so Ryan Peden, the top assistant at Ohio State, uh, gets that job. And uh, he had been in the mix. He was a finalist at Cincinnati last year. So on paper, probably a pretty decent hire for a team that will be, you know, did, I don't think the barrier to entry is that high to be a competitor to the Valley. You know, you get two or three guys in, you can be competitive. Valley's in a weird spot now where I mean, the lost, be good. I mean, you've lost Wichita State, Creighton, and Loyola. You're bringing in Belmont, Murray, and Illinois, Chicago. I think it's I think it's going to be like a slightly better version of the new whack that's stopping being the new whack once New Mexico State leaves. Where it's like you have a bunch of these really good mid-major programs that are like theoretically like good enough to build an at-large caliber team, but realistically they're all probably going to come up short almost every year. Certainly going to be interesting to watch. But it, it, it'll be a good league. I'm happy it's you know going to have a Chicago footprint still. You know, I'm I'm certainly glad to get the A10 uh, into Chicago and, and be able to go to A10 games and see you know some of those teams regularly, but still having you know. The, the the teams that you know are known for the valley, the Bradley and uh, you Northern Iowa coming to the city, but also you know Belmont and Murray State, two really good programs. That's that's exciting. So that should be good. And and 
think it was Matt Norlander who reported this a few months ago that the commissioner of the Valley's main goal was to change the perception that, that people say that all, all the schools are in the middle of nowhere. So they're like, okay, we, we want Illinois, Chicago. Uh, so you recruited in, Murray, you recruited Murray state, which is literally in the middle. of the Right. Area. That was okay. We'll do Murray state cause they're good at basketball, but then at, at, with a hit, that's, an, that's an a entirely ago, a branding thing. That's entirely a branding thing though. It was okay. They're going to add Illinois, Chicago. They were, they were going to add Kansas city and Kansas city was going to, promise to improve their facilities which is the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life um and then texas arlington but obviously that didn't happen but that 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 was that was the initial report that the commission was very concerned that people say that their schools are in the middle of nowhere but belmont's in nashville that's not nowhere right no and program (laughs) great murray is in the middle of nowhere and illinois chicago is going to be at the bottom i think the mvc did a really good job in realignment like even before belmont or before loyola left they got belmont which is a great move to strengthen the league. It also destabilized the OVC to the point where they'd have a good chance of getting uh, a good chance of getting Murray State, which they eventually did. Uh, then they, once they lost Loyola, they could kind of shift their priorities and take UIC uh, to make sure they had that presence in the Chicago market instead of going after UMKC or UT Arlington. But you know, they've, you know, it's a net loss to lose Loyola because it's the best program in the league. But they added arguably now the two you could argue that the two best jobs in the league are belmont and murray yeah right now you can make that case and uic i mean we saw i mean again i don't think uic is going to become loyal chicago 2.0 but like partially because what loyal chicago has done is like relatively unmatched you know like building this kind of this sustained level of success and then simply tournament success is rare as shit you know it's really hard to do but like, could UIC build it to be, you know, an NCAA tournament team in the Valley? Yeah. Like their, their resources aren't that bad. They have a good facility. Uh, they have a practice gym. Like they have, they have the things, they, they have support staff. Like they've spent money. NBA combines can, there, right? Um, so NBA players tend to practice there during the combine, but the combine itself was at Wintrust this past year. Gotcha. Which is downtown. Oh, Wintrust is like four or five miles from UIC. And then I was going to say something else. Um, oh, and then there are a bunch of people who want who want Butler to move to the Missouri Valley. They would they would be the best program. Who there. would want that? Which uh, if Butler Bre- wants to start spending money, that'd be great. But Bre- yeah. Yeah, not, Bre- there's zero chance. Bre- that Doyle wrote that. Uh, he, he didn't say Valley. I don't think specifically, but he he said that the Big East was 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 too tough for Butler, which. If I were a Butler fan, I I would be very pissed off about that. I mean, I I have not visited their message board yet this year, um, to kind of get the pulse of things. But I mean, two years ago, which was year nine of you in the Big East, you had a top twenty-five team. Don't tell me that we can't compete in this league. You know that that's absurd. And they need to start spending money. That's the biggest thing. They have Zeb Jackson on an official visit, which, I mean, Laval, that's that's not going to get us out of this hole, man. Their staff is too many nice guys and not enough killers. What? Hire some dudes. Just chill. I mean, they're, they're literally going to be, what, 1,200 players at least in the portal in, like, three weeks? You know, take, 
take a deep breath. There'll, there'll be a point guard and a power forward for you. You would think. Is that it? Um, Are we ready to do a champ week? Let's do it. All right, folks. We will see you all next week, next weekend, with a bracket in hand. That podcast may not drop until Tuesday or Wednesday. Schedule to work out, but we appreciate all your flexibility. We appreciate you all listening, as always, and uh, we'll see you all next week.